Hi, I'm Daniel Stoll, and I'd like to welcome you to the Come Follow With Me podcast. This podcast is a weekly discussion of the topics in the Come Follow Me curriculum, as we seek to study the scriptures and learn more about our Savior, Jesus Christ. I invite you to come follow with me as we seek to live in the way that he did. Hey everyone, welcome back to Come Follow With Me. I'm your host, Daniel Stoll, and this week we have such a good lesson to get into. It's I Am The Good Shepherd, John chapters 7 through 10. So before we get into the main lesson, I just thought I'd share a quick funny story. So the other day I was at work, um, and I called out a customer's name, but I couldn't remember what the customer's name was because the way he had said it was so vague. It could have been Tanner or Daniel or Reynolds or like anything along those lines. It sounded something just very vaguely like that. So I kind of just said, Reynolds, something like that. Really nasty noise just came out of my mouth. And he heard me and he came and got it. He was kind of laughing, but... I just thought about how, had I not known at least what his name sounded like, I could have ended up, like, I mean, had I not been lucky, I could have ended up calling out wrong names for quite a while before I actually got to the right one, if I ever did. Um, and it, that just, that story kind of reminded me of um, the other day when I was playing with my dog, and... Um, to get him to play with us, we have to yell um, his name, Sammy, and then we usually have to pat the ground or whistle or something like that. Um, and if we yell other names, like the names of our siblings or um, the names of our parents, really, just, if we yell any other name, he won't come unless we call his name. And names are important. We answer to our names and um, we have names in heaven that will be called, and names have power, definitely, um, because we name things based on, um, how we feel towards them. We can name someone as our enemy, we can give somebody a derogatory name, we could give someone a name of reverence, or servitude, and, um, appreciation, and love, we can show someone we appreciate them by using their full name. Um, and then there's nicknames, which are uh, signs of affection or friendship. And so it's really interesting how names affect um, who we are and our interactions with other people. But names are so important in the gospel. Um, and that's really what we get to get into today is Jesus is the good shepherd and he knows each of us by name, but not only by name, he knows us completely for who we are as people. And that's just such a cool, I mean, that's such a cool idea. It's so comforting. But before we get too far into that, let's just start from the beginning. So John 7, chapter 1, or chapter 7, verse 1, it says, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. Wow, that's unfortunate. But just one thing I wanted to point out here is 
I know that we just went through the whole Easter week and we discussed um, the crucifixion of Christ. And to me, it always seemed kind of abrupt while I was studying that like suddenly the Jews were just so angry and everybody wanted to kill Jesus Christ. But this is kind of showing more throughout the timeline that as the name of Jesus grew and was spread further and people knew who he was, more and more people began to follow him and more and more began to hate him. It wasn't just suddenly the Easter week, a bunch of people got together and crucified him because they decided they hated him. It was, no, there he's Jesus faced adversity like this. He had people hating him. And we'll get even more into that later with some kind of scary situations, but it just, it wasn't abrupt that he, this is, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting thing to learn because, and remember, because Jesus, well, he had this ministry, people did really rebel against him. And it's like today, some people will be kind and kind and declining um, the word of the gospel. Some people will want to banter about it and tell you how you're wrong. And then some people would go so far as to want to kill you. And that's how some of them felt about Jesus. So it just shows that um, during, um, as we move forward through the scriptures, we're getting closer and closer to the crucifixion and then the triumphant resurrection. Anyway, so another awesome verse that I loved is verse 6. Um, it says, Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. This is awesome because um, the footnote refers to uh, his time as, you know, the resurrection, the atonement, the biggest moments of importance in Jesus's life. But he's saying our time is always ready. Our time is now. We can always change. We can share the gospel. We can fix what's wrong with us. We can improve, we can progress, we can overcome addiction, fear, sin, and like the time is now. There's no time to wait. Because why would you wait and be unhappy and miserable for another day when you could be living a life of happiness and truth? The time is now because the second coming is getting closer and closer. So that's just a really cool verse to me because it's kind of, you know, a call to action. He says that your time is always ready and the best time to do it, the best time to be your best is right now. So love that verse. Anyway, moving ahead to verse 15 through 17. And the Jews marveled saying, how knoweth this man letters having never learned? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. I really like this. This is the Jews confused because they're saying, Jesus has never had a formal education. How does he know how to read and talk so well? And how is he so smart and educated? And Jesus just kind of says, like, it's, I mean, first off, it's a gift from 
Heavenly Father, but also the things he's teaching and the spirit he's teaching with aren't his. They're from the Holy Spirit and Heavenly Father. That's where they come from. Um, and it just kind of reminded me of the gift of tongues, um, how there's so many people that have trouble um, being able to talk well, write well, read well, etc. I've heard crazy stories of missionaries learning languages super fast just because the gift of tongues is given to so many. It's a frequently given gift, and it's a really cool gift too. Because it's communication, the key aspect of social interaction, interaction in general, and teaching, missionary work. It plays back into names. Names are so important because if you have the gift of tongues, if you have a gift of being able to know people's names, remember names, and just get along with people well, and understand communication really well, you can effectively teach what you want to say, and share things without making people mad at you. So this is just something that's really awesome to me because I know getting back more into the education end of it, um, as I was homeschooled all throughout high school, a lot of people would ask me, they would say, well, how do you know some of these things if you never really learned them? Because you've never gone to these official classes, you know, like you never took this and this and this that we all had to take. And I'll say, I mean, well, yeah, I did have to take some of those. I definitely had to go to my math classes and uh, my writing classes and those things. And But a lot of it is just a different education. In homeschool, I got such a better education than I had in all my years in public school when I was younger because we could learn but focus also on the gospel aspects and learn truth in relation to all the um, topics we had to learn for school and for the world. So that was just something really cool to me because I have a personal relation to it. Um, Verses 22 through 24, it says, Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because it is of Moses, but of the fathers. And ye on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are ye angry at me, because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So, really, this is this is good, guys. Um, probably need a little background. So... Obviously, the Jews and the Pharisees, like always, are um, trying to trap Jesus. And they're getting him, and they're like, well, why are you doing this on the Sabbath? They have so many problems with the Sabbath, I just want to say. Like, there's more in the later chapters, and it gets so annoying. But that's um, for a few minutes later than this. We'll get to that soon. Anyway, the key that Jesus is getting here is, If you guys are doing these things on Sunday that are, like, not necessarily breaking the Sabbath, but you're going and you're doing things that aren't necessarily gospel, but you're calling them gospel, why do you get mad at me for helping other people and doing good serving, which is one of the best things you can do on Sunday? 
because, I mean, if you think about it, it's the holy day. It's the day of the Lord. And then we have the scriptures. If he, um, as ye are serving your fellow beings, I'm butchering this quote, uh, but as ye serve your fellow beings, you serve me as well. I, I know I got that so wrong, but I, it's not coming to my mind right now. Anyway, that's the key here, though. And then we get to the next verse, and they say, Then some of them of Jerusalem, or then said some of them of Jerusalem, Is not this he, is not this he whom they seek to kill? But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? These people know that he's Christ, and they're kind of looking at their leaders, and they're like, what the heck? Like, this guy, yeah, I mean, he's speaking kind of boldly and chastising you for the way that you are um, kind of being hypocrites towards him, but this is the guy you want to kill? Don't you know he's Jesus? Don't you know that he's the one teaching all these truths and goodness? But then... There's even more hypocrisy in the next chapter. So let's turn to chapter 8, verses 1 through 12. This is the story of the woman with adultery. I don't want to go through all of it, but pretty much the gist of it is the Pharisees and scribes bring Jesus, a woman um, who had been committing adultery, and they caught her in the act, and then they brought her to him, and then... They talk about how the law demands that she's supposed to be stoned. Like, she was doing this terrible sin, and that's what the law says. What do you say? And then Jesus is kind of quiet for a moment. And then, I mean, we all, we all know what he says. He says, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. I mean, just, oof think about it. Just another lesson on you guys are so fast to judge, but you all have sins. You all done wrong things. Why do you immediately go want to punish somebody else? Is it to justify yourself so that you don't have to feel as bad about your sins? I mean, really, just think about it. And we do this every day in our lives. It's not just the Pharisees. We all do this today. We judge people, but then we go do the same things. We get mad at people on the road, but then we accidentally do something stupid while we're driving. And then we get mad at other people for honking at us. Yet yesterday, we were honking at somebody else. We are so often hypocrites in life. But what Jesus is saying, not just to them, but also to us, he's saying, if you're the one who's perfect you can go cast the first stone. You know, if you've never done anything wrong, go ahead and make fun of everybody else and get mad at them and do whatever you want, okay? But if you have done something wrong, you're in no place to say anything because then everybody could do the exact same thing to you as soon as you failed. So really just the golden rule. Treat people how you want to be treated. Do we want to be treated like stoned? And mocked every time we do something wrong and we make or commit a sin? No. So let's not treat people that way. And then Jesus says, once they've gone, he says, 
Woman, where are those where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And really the three lessons that I pulled out of this are one, the one lesson that I've already covered a lot, don't be a hypocrite. That's as, that's as simple as we can get it. Just don't get mad at people for doing things and then go do things yourself. Don't want to judge people when you make mistakes all the time. I do it a lot. I definitely can work on it. and I know we all can. The second lesson I got was Jesus doesn't condemn people. He says, um, he says, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And these two kind of parts are going to be my second and third lessons that I got out of it. But this is really just awesome. Is Jesus says, they don't condemn you anymore because, I mean, they, they've had a second to ponder on it and they're going to be a little more humble now. And I don't condemn you either because I know how hard life can be. I know we're all going to make sins and give in to worldly pleasures from time to time. I mean, except for Jesus, obviously. But he, he knows the things we're tempted with. And even though he knows we can do better and we can overcome and that we don't need those things, he also knows that we're going to fall short. But he doesn't condemn us. We aren't stuck. That's what the atonement is for. And that's why life is so great. Because we have the atonement, we can change any circumstance or any place that we may be in. We can change ourselves and we can fix things. The atonement is a chance to fix life. And Jesus doesn't just condemn us the second we do something wrong. But he gives us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to keep trying. He loves us enough to do that. And that is awesome. Because nobody I know has the patience for that kind of thing. Which is just another testament to how good he is. Uh, the third and final lesson is, he tells her, go and sin no more. So first, Jesus, I mean, he makes sure that nobody's going to keep going after us. Then he lets us feel comfort and just love. And then he encourages us to go be better. Go, try again. Try harder. Try now. The time is now. I mean, you remember that verse from earlier in the episode? The time is now to change and be better. Go forth and sin no more. Oh, the teaching style of Jesus is so good. I love it so much because it is the perfect teaching style. He gives us love. He makes sure we're okay. He teaches lessons to others inadvertent, not inadvertently, on purpose. But then, once we can feel his love again and we feel okay. He says, now go do better. So, throughout these several chapters, there are numerous, numerous encounters with Jews and Pharisees and they just want to get on to Jesus for everything and fight him on every single little thing. So, we're not going to go into every single little pity party they have against him 
even though there are some good things thrown throughout. I did want to look quickly at chapter 8, verses 49 through 59. Gonna have to hurry up on time. Um, it says, Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgment. Fairly, verily, I say unto you, If a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Okay, so I'm not going to read all the rest of it, just going to explain this really fast. Jesus is saying, I'm, I know my power and priesthood doesn't come from a devil, but it comes from my heavenly father who I glorify. And when you're doing the things that you're supposed to, and um, when you follow me and follow him, you will not see death. And just like they always do, they try to twist his words. They take it literally when obviously the, I mean, Yes, obviously everybody's going to die unless you're translated, which is very few people. But, I mean, think about it. Would it make any sense for him to say, you won't die? No, because everybody's going to die in some way or another. It's pretty obvious that he's talking about spiritual death and about um, not being able to come back to Heavenly Father. And he's saying, when you do good, you won't have spiritual death. You'll be able to live in happiness. And you'll be able to have eternal life and happiness, you know. Do great things. Live life. Be your best. So happy. Um, but they just want to fight him on it. They want to say, oh, well, it's impossible for anyone to live forever. Abraham's dead. Therefore, you're a liar. Ha ha. And he says, okay, so no, that's not that's not what I'm talking about here. And I'm not going to paraphrase like that because it's a little sacrilegious apologies there. But um, pretty much what he finally gets at is um, Jesus is saying he's trying to explain it to them. They're not really listening. And then finally he says, before Abraham was, I am. And so he's kind of saying, I am Jehovah. I am. And the prophet of the Old and New Testaments, even though the New Testament was obviously not written because this was the New Testament. But they did not like that at all because the Jews, um, as we know, and if you've studied anything about Jewish culture, they don't believe that he was the Messiah. They're still waiting for the Messiah to come and to be the Savior. And so Jesus... He says this and they get mad and they want to go stone him. They, they're ready to cast those stones that they were going to throw at the woman who committed adultery. They're that mad. And I mean, he's done nothing wrong, guys. So it's just a really sad place to be, if you think about it, that they want that badly just to hurt him. But what I got out of this was, again, first off, the Jews didn't just suddenly get hostile and want to kill Jesus during the Holy Week. They came and they had several things that made them mad over time. And then they got mad enough finally in the end that they wanted to crucify him.
and they succeeded. But another aspect of this is the Jews didn't believe him because he told the truth. Think about it, guys. I mean, Jesus is telling all these things. And, I mean, the people in charge, they don't want to hear that. The people that are following certain laws, they don't want to change. People don't like change. People don't like being chastened. And that's something really, really difficult for some people is to change and to realize that you might be wrong. And they didn't believe him because he told the truth. That's just something that's really sad to me. Because he told the truth. They hated him. But as we listen to his truthful words, we can embrace them and continue to love him. All right, so final scriptures here. We're going to read chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. So it's, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Um, and skipping ahead a little, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Okay, I love this. This is so good because this is the topic of today. This is the lesson title. Jesus is our shepherd. I already started by talking about names, and now we're going straight back to that. Satan sneaks into our lives, and our I mean, in the parable it says the house, but Satan sneaks into our lives like a thief, and then he takes things from us. Or rather, we allow him to take things by our choices. But Jesus, if we embrace him and allow him with open doors into our lives then we know there's not going to be bad things that come of that because he will not be a thief. Jesus will only bring us more. He will bring us himself and the gifts that come with him, whereas Satan will steal in to our lives and he will just take and take and take because that's what a thief does. And so this parable, along with just the whole... um parable of being a shepherd these are just really good analogies for the nature of jesus christ and of satan um and i had this awesome insight the other day while i was reading um i was reading a book and it referred to the devil as a better salesman when it came to the desires of the heart and the desires of man and i thought that was really interesting but then taking it further, I was trying to think, what would God be if Satan is a salesman? And this is what I came up with. Satan is a salesman because he comes to us. He's, um, he often can interrupt us while we're doing, or while we're enjoying life. And then he shows us things that are desirable. He shows us things we want 
They're easy. They're nice looking. They're very appealing. Girl Scout cookies? Mm-mm-mm. But then in the end, the products we get are crappy. The cookies make us feel bad inside because we eat too many and none of them are really good for us. They end up making us unhappy when we just thought, hey, this might make me happy. You know, the simple and yet the way we buy into the cheap, easier, um, I wouldn't say aspect of happiness. I would say image of happiness that isn't really true. These are, this is Satan. This is unhappiness. He's a salesman and he shows us the things that we want, but ultimately aren't going to fulfill us. Whereas God is a policeman. Yes, sometimes we have major problems with him. Sometimes we have difficulties and we don't understand the laws that he has for us. When we break the laws, he pulls us over, gives us a little chastening, and we can get really frustrated with him and not understand. And we can get angry and we can hate him. But in the end, when danger comes, he's going to be the one to protect us. Think about it. Anyway, so I'm just going to read one last verse. It's verse 27 of chapter 10. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Guys, he knows us. Jesus is Christ. He is the Savior. He knows all of us individually. He calls us by name, and he blesses us individually. I mean, think about your patriarchal blessings if you've received them already. Those are so powerful, and I can testify they are incredibly individualized. If you have not received one, and you feel ready or you want one, don't stop. Go get one. They are so helpful in guiding your life and helping you to find truth and the truest path and aspects of life. They're so good. And they're individualized because Jesus calls us and knows us and loves us by name. It is such a relief to know that we have a father, even when we can't see, who knows us completely, even among the billions of children that he has. It is so relieving that we have a brother who sacrificed for every pain, sin, emotion, and feeling that we've ever had. And he suffered through all of that. And he knows them. He's felt every single thing that we have. He's overcome it. And so can we. And because he's overcome it. He knows just how. To help us in our lives. This is so incredible. It's the most incredible gift. And we are so blessed. To have a brother like that. So, just my challenge to you guys this week, as we think more about this, is, I'll give you two. Number one, let's try to be less of hypocrites, less judgmental, and more just trying to understand. Maybe the person that cuts us off in the road is racing to get to the hospital to go see their loved one before they die. 
there could be infinite number of reasons for everything and everything everyone does. Sometimes they won't be good reasons, but that's an aspect of agency. Is we just have to forgive and forget. And judging people and holding on to anger isn't what's going to make us happy. My other challenge to you guys is going to be think about the importance of names. Think about your own name and what it means. And then go use and appreciate other people's names. When you greet your friends, say hello, name, insert here. And then just think about the beauty of names and try and appreciate them for who they are. Because that's what Jesus does for us. It's incredible and it's just a true form of love. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. And I'm so excited to hear back from all of you. If you have anything to say, please let me know. Life is so good. Jesus is so good to all of us. And Heavenly Father loves us. See you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Come Follow With Me podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening and that my words have given you some spiritual nourishment. Come back next week for more um, learning about the scriptures and next week's Come Follow Me lesson. Please like, subscribe, and leave comments. I really appreciate any help and tips you can give me. And I just hope that I've helped you guys in your personal study. Thanks so much.